podcast. Last week was episode one. This is episode two. And we're going to be discussing recent news as well as some quarterback rankings this week. How was your weekend, James? I had an absolutely fantastic weekend. I spent the whole time in Indianapolis with a few college buddies going to Gen Con. So been playing board games for about four days straight. And now I'm ready to talk about some sports, you know, kind of change the, change the pace a little bit. <laughs> Wait, what kind of board games? Uh, any, any board game really. It's just a, the entire Indiana convention center, like is just covered with different vendors that are displaying new games, old games, any niche game possible. And there's just demo booths, booths and everything. You just kind of walk around and, and nerd out for about four days. Dang, that, that that sounds fun. Did you did you bring your girlfriend there, or is it just the boys? <laughs> I did not bring my girlfriend there. So it was just a boys' trip, but um, it actually was. I th- I think a little bit uh, to my surprise, a bit of a, uh, a much closer split than I thought it would be. I thought it was gonna be like a ninety ten guys to girls, but it was more like a seventy thirty or even sixty forty. So really really happy to see that. Well, pretty inclusive community. That kind of surprised me a bit. Absolutely. Less of a sausage fest than I would expect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, my weekend was pretty slow. I didn't have much going on. Um, I've been traveling a lot. Last weekend, I was in St. Louis for the weekend to see some friends. Um, this weekend, I didn't go much of anywhere. Got to watch some TV, which was really nice. Uh, I watched a lot of news growing up. I was a big news, like even local news person. Uh, we'd watch the weather all the time. Like I was super worried about like how the weather was going to look during the week for some reason. I was a pretty anxious child, I feel like. So I feel like that kind of built into it. But uh, I watched some cable news this weekend, which was pretty fun. Um, I was watching CNN and there's just like this round table of people. And of course, zero scientists were on the entire round table when they were talking about COVID. As is tradition. Yeah, classic CNN stuff, you know, but they're all arguing, really wanting to talk about like, how did COVID get started? Was it started in a lab? Was it started by just like pure accident? Was it truly like this bat that bit someone? They're all arguing that it's all just opinion, right? And there's this one guy that's just like, he keeps talking about the variants and he's like, dude, we need to get down to the root of the variants. And I screamed out standard deviation, root of the variant. Anyway. Oh my goodness. That's, hope- okay. Wow. That's fantastic. All right. I, <laughs> I, I saw that note on here. I didn't know where it was going. I'm glad to hear it's for the fantastic jokes. Thank you for that. I, I hope the three people that paid attention to statistics enjoyed that. So um, we are going to be talking about the most important position in football this week. We're going to be talking about quarterbacks. So James, can you explain to myself and the viewers at home why quarterback is the most important position in real life, but it's not the most important position in fantasy football? Yeah, so in real life, right, there's only, what, 32 people that can do the job of an NFL quarterback, uh, or at least a starting NFL quarterback. So it's a very, very unique skill set. But also it's just important to the team because he's really kind of a coach on the field as well as a player. So the quarterback has to know what every position is doing. They need to understand all the audibles. They need to be able to understand what the defense is doing and counteract what they're doing with the correct audible. Uh, it's I mean, it's just this huge amazingly important position for the game of football that again is just incredibly difficult to do um so you know from that perspective it's kind of why they're so highly paid right you're the the general on the field but in fantasy it's a position where because it's so important in the sport of football every quarterback kind of puts up similar stats as far as a, a, a fantasy perspective is concerned meaning 200 yards passing to 300 yards passing is all of a four point difference. So they're 
there's not a huge difference from the the highs to the lows until you get to kind of some more of the touchdown performances. So, you know, an, an average stat line of say 200 yards and two touchdowns would equate to that's like eight points, right? Because it'd be four, uh, sorry, eight for the two touchdowns and then four points for each 100 yards. Like that's a, an eight point performance. Obviously, that's not a great performance. That's not what you expect from a quarterback. I'm just trying to make it some simple math on myself on a Sunday night here. Uh, now you compare that to maybe 300 yards and three touchdowns, which is an insanely better performance. That's still only, what, 24 points now at that point? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm getting the head nod from the head nod from Mad Max, so I'm feeling good about my math here. But you're you're seeing this kind of huge bump from the elite guys to to someone who's because like a 200 yard performance would be absolutely awful. So you'd see an average more of like two like 250 yards uh, versus 300 yards is looks uh, looks huge on the stat line, but that 25 yards per point difference versus a 10 yards per point uh, and with receivers and running backs makes it just very different uh, for. I guess a total overall value perspective, but maybe is there any other take that you would kind of have on, on why it would, would be such a big difference? Yeah, I'm similar there. I think it's all about scarcity whenever it comes to fantasy football quarterbacks. Like obviously you, you laid out very beautifully why quarterback is so important in real life football. But when it comes to fantasy, there's not a scarcity there. There's the supply and demands just like, isn't the same as it is in real life. And you can be a really bad real life quarterback but a really really good fantasy quarterback just the way that fantasy scoring works i'm sure we'll get into it with like jalen hurts later on i know you want to do your 20 minute rant about him but even like a guy like blake bortles back in what year was that 2017 he was throwing for 30 some touchdowns um he was running for some touchdowns he ended up finishing as like a top five fantasy quarterback but in like reality it just didn't truly reflect that so i think the the cliff from like a top tier quarterback to a mid-tier quarterback just like isn't as big of a cliff as you'll see with running backs for example so you got your rb1s your your cmc's your uh Najee harris's and then you have those guys in the middle you're, you're hitting like antonio gibson and damian harris that's a pretty big cliff when it comes to like the math the way it works out in points but whenever it gets to quarterback your your drop off from uh i don't know a lamar jackson to a kirk cousins just like isn't as large so in my opinion, and we'll kind of get into this draft strategy a little bit later, you shouldn't be drafting quarterbacks overly early, and it's worth it just to wait a little bit longer and try and find those guys to stream. However, I will say, I was in a 32-team league draft this past weekend, and it was bonkers. Having every single first-round pick basically be a quarterback, because you can only start 32 quarterbacks in the NFL in a week, right? So you have to get one of those top guys. It was crazy. I drafted Dak Prescott 15th overall, and I felt so scummy while doing it. I wanted to take anybody else during that position. Freaking uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't go until like 18th overall because someone just like asked her, I'll just get some backup quarterback and hope for the best. It was one of the wildest drafts that I've ever been in, but that supply and demand really drives how quarterbacks are valued in fantasy. No, I saw your, your roster because you sent it over. So you, you answered my question of who was the first, or not who was the first player, but when was the first non-QB taken in, in that format. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I'm also, I think a good point to add though too. So maybe the most important statistic for a quarterback is a team win, but that's not a fantasy stat, right? So the the metric that everyone looks at to, you know, what's important for for the quarterback position is just not relevant to us. In, in the in the realm of fantasy anyway yeah for sure 
So we'll get more into that draft strategy here in a minute, but let's talk about like some recent news, specifically with someone that we talked about last week and one of the quarterbacks in the NFL, um, the Deshaun Watson suspension. So Deshaun Watson was officially suspended on Monday for six games, no financial penalty at all either. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on that, James, and how do you think that affects Deshaun Watson's fantasy stock as well as the Browns season and the surrounding Browns players? Yeah, it's it's hard to fully... I guess kind of comprehend what exactly will happen with Deshaun just because all of the, the back and forth that has been been going on around it. So if it truly is just a six game suspension, I think what that does is it really opens up that Browns offense. So it, it would move Deshaun up the draft boards. It, it would make people actually be drafting him maybe as a kind of a late flyer pick, but that'll give you kind of a top end quarterback come fantasy playoffs. The, the issue being, I, I think this isn't fully resolved just yet. So it, it's reasonable to believe that he could still end up getting that full season suspension just because the NFL has already come back with the appeal to try to go ahead and, and justify what the final suspension being handed down. Because the, the sixth game wasn't necessary or isn't what the NFL said or has, has given Deshaun. It's what the arbitrator said she would recommend for Deshaun. So it's not all the way set in stone just yet. Yeah, it's a really interesting case, and they have the the appeal coming forward very, very soon. We'll see how long that ends up dragging out. I saw some people talking about Deshaun Watson actually playing week one, playing the entire season until they figure out his suspension. From what I've gathered, though, that's just not a possibility, and he'll end up being suspended, kind of like how he was in that weird limbo last year. Um, personally, I, he's dropping down all of my boards. I, I don't want to touch Deshaun Watson this year. Um I don't want to just like be around or affiliated with him whatsoever. Uh, I have him currently 30th on my board right now, just because there is that um, possibility of a longer suspension and the Browns doing some sort of like self-imposed suspension as well, just to appease the NFL. It's not something that I want to get anywhere near. Um, and it kind of also affects how I think about a lot of the Browns wide receivers as well, playing with Jacoby Brissett versus um, someone like Deshaun Watson, unless, of course, the Browns end up swooping in for a Jimmy G or someone similar, which would be a pretty interesting. Yeah, game. someone in your league's going to draft Deshaun. I just don't want to be the one drafting him. Again, the the mystery around it is one thing, you know, just fantasy reasons, but also just I don't want to be the person with him on my roster. Just you know, with everything going on, I'll, I'll let someone else do it. Yeah, and um, I don't. I don't sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Matt. Uh, I was going to say, like, and a lot of people think that, oh, he's suspended. I can just throw him on my IR. I can just stash him like that. But that's not the way it works, unfortunately, for some cases in the NFL fantasy football leagues. Uh, basically, if a player is suspended, they are not IR eligible, and therefore they take up a bench spot. And if you're in a very, like, shallow bench league, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because that's a very, very valuable bench spot, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and especially at the beginning of the year when you're going to be wheeling and dealing like crazy trying to get the correct waiver wire hits in those first two or three weeks. And, you know, not being able to have a, an easily dumpable commodity or, or something that you've already committed to the long term. It, you know, it's, it's just not a position I want to put my roster in, especially early in the season. Yeah, we, we should talk about bench construction at some point just to see. I, I think it'd be worth it. It's, yeah. it's the uh, less sexy underbelly of fantasy football. Honestly, but it's so valuable. If you can be the person who can have that person that breaks out later in the season, if you can have that patience and not have to use waiver spots on guys early in the season and use them later in the year. There's a lot of cool strategy that I like a lot with that. It's a lot of head games too, which I really mm -hmm. enjoy. 
Uh, yeah, while get... we're on the Browns, though, just real quick, so we don't we don't have a note on it yet, but I think it just came out that Kareem Hunt is demanding a trade. So oh that, yeah, that is kind of relevant here for the, for their offense because that would would put Nick Chubb so high up on the uh, the running back rankings. But yeah, you know, where, where I guess where where do you what opinions do you have on all that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so there's something with his contract extension that he's not happy about. He doesn't want to be around in Cleveland anymore. I'm sure he's wanting a larger role. Like this is a guy who was you know an offensive rookie of the year he had over a thousand yards as a rookie which is crazy led the league in rushing as a rookie so it's he was a very impressive player prior to his suspension and his um legal troubles to keep it light um so yeah i'd be shocked if he couldn't end up picking up somewhere else i don't think the browns will end up trading him just because they they like their one-two punch they like having kareem hunt coming out of the backfield as a receiver um, but I, I'm, I'm sure he would actually take a decent haul from a, another team if they do end up deciding to trade him. Um, but there is a lot of baggage that he has, so another team may not want to be able to pick him yep. up as well. Dysfunction Cleveland is going to be exciting. But, okay, we can go ahead and move on to the next topic. They have so much going on. Uh, speaking of dysfunction, there's also that Dolphins uh, suspension slash fine this past week. So for anyone that wasn't aware... There was a weird Tom Brady thing that's kind of been rumored for a while. This story came out the day after the Deshaun Watson news came out. So a classic redirect in terms of news by the NFL. But basically what went down, allegedly, is the Dolphins were trying to get Tom Brady to come to the Dolphins while he was still with the Patriots and then also while he was with the Bucks. Um, they basically were tampering with him before he was eligible to be talked to. They were trying to get him to come to be their quarterback, um, some sort of like coach, as well as a business executive, and then eventually like a part team owner as well. So they were offering him the world, essentially. Uh, the, apparently, the Dolphins also did the same thing with Sean Payton. They were trying to make the Brady Sean Payton, the former coach of the New Orleans Saints, who just recently retired, a bit of a package deal to Miami. Honestly, this is one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. So they got fined a ton of money. Um, they had a 2023 first round pick revoked, a 2024 third round pick revoked, as well as their owner being uh, suspended for the beginning of the season as well. Uh, Jimmy, as someone who has had a first round pick, a fan of a team who's lost their first round pick for legal reasons before, how do you feel about this? And do you think it's too steep? Well, glad to see it happen to someone else, especially within division. So that's fantastic. Um, I, it's it's hard to say whether or not it's too steep, just because I feel like this is one of those things that just has never really happened, at least as far as I can remember. Right. So some amount of tampering obviously always goes on because the second free agency opens up, there's always those immediate signings that obviously couldn't happen within five seconds of free agency. So it makes you really wonder just how deep it, it went. Because, I mean, you, you laid it out beautifully with all the, the allegedly's and the timelines, but it really does, with the amount of suspension that came down, seem like um, almost anything that has been said between uh, Tom and the, and the Dolphins and, and Sean and the Dolphins has been true over the past couple of years, which is, which is pretty crazy. Because there's like stories of like Tom going down to Miami and sitting on uh, – uh, is it, I can't think of the owner's first name, but it's it's Ross. His last name's Ross. I can't think yeah, of his first like name. it's like Stephen Ross or something like there that. There he goes. Okay, so sitting on, on his yacht and just kind of like chatting it up. Um, but then also I think it's just a really funny story thinking about the possibility of the real-life Jackie Moon. You know, you got player-owner coach uh, Tom Brady <laughs> out there. So, uh, it, you know, it was it was an interesting story. I would, it, It's awful for Dolphins fans because losing that first rounder is, is incredibly tough for 
for you, but luckily for them, they do have quite or they've had extra first round picks, which I think will make up for it. It wasn't like when the Patriots lost their first rounder and had only really been having kind of your traditional one first round pick draft for you know twenty years. Mm-hmm. So I think that the young talent on the Dolphins will make up for losing a pick next year, but it's it's still just tough for any team that's trying to position themselves as contenders. Yeah, it's wild how the Dolphins had so much draft capital coming up, and now it's like all just getting soaked up by all these trade-ups into the first round, now this weird Tom Brady stuff. It's also crazy to me how close the Tom Brady thing seemed to almost happen. Like, going to a division rival like that, it, it would have been truly insane. It would, it would have broken up the entire NFL news story. It would have been insane. Um, uh, to me, it would have been a career ender. That I, I don't think he's ever played well in Miami. So to, to think he would have voluntarily gone there for half of his games is is pretty crazy to me. God, yeah. All those weird Week 17 Patriots losses to Miami, those are always so strange. Um, I also saw a thing from Roger Sherman on Twitter. Apparently, the deputy owner of the Dolphins also got suspended for the first eight weeks. So for those like first like eight, ten weeks of the NFL season, uh, the largest by majority owner of the Miami Dolphins right now is Fergie, which is hilarious. Yeah, How is it Fergie of all people? And then it's like the the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena. Like, what what are the odds? So I love it. Yeah, I saw that. That made me laugh. I think since she'll be there, she needs to find a way to to have a Fergie halftime show every game where she's the only owner allowed to be in the stadium. Do like that NBA All Star game where she did the national anthem and all the NBA players just look at each other like, "Why does this sound like a screeching cat?" It was so bad. <laughs> uh, moving on a little bit. Moving to another sport. Uh, the Juan Soto trade went down this past week. One of the weirdest, most obscure trades that we've ever seen. James, do you even know who Juan Soto is? Did you do a little research prior to this? Uh, yeah, so I I did know who he was. Um, I obviously I'm not a huge baseball person. I think first and foremost, we need to applaud you on the Juan. You know, just really showing how how cultural you are and, and or just how cultured you are. I think. I studied abroad. I just want people to know. Yeah, you, I know. I know. In it's, Spain. It's, it's, kudos to you right there. Um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, huge trades like this don't happen in, in other sports, right? You No other team's going to get rid of a 23-year-old just absolute superstar. But for some reason, it always happens in baseball. So it's, it's really, I think, kind of interesting like an interesting aspect of baseball, just thinking that it seems like no player is really sacred unless you're, you know, Derek Jeter. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of cool to see. It's, I mean, I, I think it's, it's relevant because the Padres are, are actually kind of positioning themselves to, to at least be able to withstand the Dodgers. I mean, you're going to have to have a ton of hitters if you're going against Kershaw in the playoffs, Thanks. but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how much it moves the needle. I mean, obviously they'll move it a decent amount because they didn't get rid of veteran players, right? They got rid of, just prospect packages. So, I mean, the, the team's going to be a lot better. Juan Soto's a stud. So yeah. I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting for, for Padres fans. Yeah. I've been trying to think all week about like an NBA equivalent or like an FL equivalent of Juan Soto getting traded to the Padres. Cause you know, the nationals literally won a world series two years ago and now he's already getting traded. I think the closest that I can think of is Kawhi Leonard. Whenever he got traded from the San Antonio Spurs to the Toronto Raptors, and what ended up happening similar to this situation is Kawhi got packaged with Danny Green, who ended up being integral to their entire playoff run, although there's a lot of memes about Danny Green nowadays. Um, he ended up, they both got traded to Toronto, and that package deal is what ended up winning them a championship after they had already won a championship just a couple of years prior in San Antonio. This time, it's Juan Soto, and 
Josh Bell, who's an all-star in his own right, former Pittsburgh Pirate as well. They're both coming over. Now they're in the heart of the lineup for San Diego. That's a very, very lethal duo. And, like, that's the closest I can think of. But there was even, like, weird things with, like, Kawhi Leonard where, he, like, he didn't want to even play. Juan Soto wanted to stay in Washington. They just, like, weren't giving him what he was worth. They were trying to lowball him. Um, there's, like, a weird – I don't know if you've seen this with, like, the Atlanta Braves, for example. There's, like, a weird uh, push towards trying to make these long-term, um, shorter average annual value contracts in the MLB. So, like, Ozzy Albias for the the second baseman for the Atlanta Braves, um, Ronald Osuna Jr., um, Austin Riley just signed a new deal. All these guys are signing for less than market value on an annual basis, but they're getting longer term deals. So they're trying to lock up like that pool host money long term, but they aren't getting it the average annual value that you would expect. So they're not doing like the Max Scherzer where he's getting 50 million a year on a two year deal. It, it's definitely a bet. The, the ML teams are definitely doing a bit of a bet on themselves, on, on those pl- individual players. Uh, it's it's kind of like, oh, what if you end up having a Prince Fielder situation where he hurts his neck and then he just never ends up playing again? But I, in my, I'm in the opinion of even if those guys start going a little bit stale, they'll still have some value early on in that contract where it's completely worth it to do the deal. And I'm really, really shocked that the Nationals weren't willing to just give a guy who's a 23-year-old superstar putting up numbers that haven't been done since 1893 when they were playing with you know not even real baseballs. I'm surprised they weren't just lock that guy up. It, it really shocks me to this day because you just don't really see that in a lot of the other. Yeah, I, I don't understand it on the national side. I think the the great thing for the Padres is because you know not too long ago they signed uh, Manny Machado on this massive deal when it didn't really make sense at the time because it was like they were they were barely even fighting to make the playoffs. Everyone's like, why are they going out and hiring superstars? So now it actually looks like your your front office is being competent. You know, kind of actually building around quality players. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting. But then, like to your point with the contracts, I think as you know, kind of an outsider in the MLB space, it is kind of interesting looking through and, and seeing just how creative they get with some of these deals. That, yeah. And just like you said, like seeing long-term contracts, you know, ten-year-plus contracts, seeing just weird ways that they they kind of move around money and and, and kind of generate, um, you know, more. They have they have a salary cap now, right? It's not like the the absolute free for all it used to be, or is it still kind of in a weird limbo? Um, they have a weird situation. It's like a luxury tax kind of situation, kind of like the NBA with a weird like soft cap. But you're pretty much able still to spend unlimited money, more or less. They they find loopholes to where where they can still sign guys no matter what. So like the Yankees okay. have like the highest payroll easily. So. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I feel like the NFL almost uses MLB as a, a guiding principle of how to try to sneak players under the salary cap. So yeah. it's, it's always interesting kind of looking at those contracts. Yeah, so the Padres are definitely a contender at this point. They're still in the wild card position behind the Dodgers, but it seems like they'll pretty easily lock that up. It's it's pretty interesting to me, too, because a lot of the things going on in baseball, one of the big narratives is like these mid-major, smaller uh, city teams are really struggling to compete and they're saying oh we're just not profitable well i mean if you look at the padres they're putting butts in seats they're selling 15 dollars beers 21 dollars hot dogs and i think they're doing pretty okay that's a pretty good financial model of i opinion. i don't know we went to business school i don't know what your thoughts are there but i think if you build a winning team that that shows like all the other teams have no excuses like you can build a winning team as well and have a successful financial model and Therefore, like all these other teams, like the Clevelands of the world, should be doing the same yeah, thing. So I've never been. Yes, I've never been an owner of a professional team, but it it just I think it they always overthink it, right? To me, it's it seems so obvious that if you just have a quality team, 
or at least show that as a you know management staff and ownership that you care it's so easy to get fans to also care about your team even if you're you're not necessarily winning the champion today's pod is sponsored by the space between your stove and countertop while the space under your fridge may get all the glory the real king of the kitchen is the space between your stove and countertop picture this we're cooking rice i pour rice from the bag into the pot a couple of cheeky grains decide to scamper onto the stovetop surface. What I believe to be a couple grains is actually a couple hundred. Grabbing them individually would be an impossible task. I do not have time for this in my busy day-to-day life with a 9 to 5, a hugely successful podcast, a weekly ad read to complete, and the economic and political state of our country bearing down on me like that kid Grant who beat me up in the fourth grade because I exclaimed us birthday buddies after finding out we share a birthday. There are greater journeys to complete. Instead of tediously grabbing my tweezers to extract each grain of rice, I'd instead sweep them with my hand into the abyss between my stove and countertop, never to be seen again. If someone moves that entire stove oven combo to clean behind there, that's their problem, not mine. Thank you again to the negative space between your counter and stove for sponsoring today's episode. Let's keep cooking in the second half of this spicy podcast. But, you know, winning consistently, making it to playoffs, etc., it's just crazy how many teams just can't quite put that together or how many ownership groups just don't fully understand how important it is that it's, it's gotta be one thing followed by the other. The, the winning leads to selling the, as you said, the $21 hot dogs, it can't, can't do it in the other way around. So it's good yeah. to see a small market team try to really put their best, uh, best efforts into making a winning team. Yeah. God, I wish my Cardinals would have ponied up for him. He's totally the kind of guy that you want to have <laughs> on your team. So, Oh, well next time. So we're going to move into quarterbacks. Um, I am super curious because our rankings are very different. They are very different than ADP as well. So I'm very excited to hear some of your takes here. Yeah, as soon as I saw your list, I got excited because, like you said, it's it's not going to be us just in complete agreement for every pick. It's going to be a lot of why in the world do you think this and, and a lot of uh, really defending some positions here. Yeah, there's there's going to be some debates here. Like I want us to still be friends after this, but we'll see what ends up happening. So real quick, though. When is the most ideal team, ideal time, excuse me, to draft a quarterback in your opinion? Do you, do you take a quarterback early? Are you doing that first round Mahomes? Are you taking more of like that 30 to 50 range? You're trying to get a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson that amount of time? Or are you just like streaming guys at the very tail end there? Are you doing the Ryan Tannehill's or praying with Daniel Jones that he doesn't fall down at the 10 yard line? So what, what's your thoughts there? So... And I'm sure we'll talk about here the differences. I, I, we're talking about single quarterback leagues here. So you know, it's a huge difference from a super flex. But I think this is one where you're almost kind of um, – you have to be a prisoner to your draft position, right? So if I happen to fall into, say, a Josh Allen, I would I don't back away from picking someone that at ADP has been going in that 40 range. Like I, I, I don't – well, I, I'm not against taking that first quarterback off uh, off the board. I, however, don't want to be the person that's reaching to take the first quarterback off the board. I kind of let the picks fall as they are. Um, so I think that usually what happens is if, if you're kind of picking later, so like at that eight, eight out of a 12-team slot, it, it seems like by round three or four, if it's a one-quarterback league, you're, you're kind of either picking in between a running back dead zone or, or like, screw it, let me just grab Josh Allen. And I think that's usually when I'm taking him. If, it, if I'm at that like 30, 
eight or like 40, you kind of like that 40 ish range where I'm looking around. I already have a, an RB one or in a, a wide receiver one. Um, you know, the, the top tight ends are kind of off the board. There's, if there's people I'm just not excited to pick, I'll, I'll take the the quarterback that I know is good. That can put up huge numbers. I'm not going to just, you know, uh, I'm not going to bite the bullet and grab like a Antonio Gibson just because I have to take a running back that's there. I'd rather just get a better quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a really important demarcation. So like, for example, I have Lamar Jackson as my second ranked quarterback. As much as I agree with someone taking Lamar Jackson, like right in that 40 range, if you can wait until like the 50 or 60 range, because like that's what you expect him to go as, definitely wait. You know, like I think he will finish as the second best fantasy quarterback this year, but like that's definitely like a good strategy you can wait on. If the ESPN rankings are saying that he's going 60th, if your friends you think value them as a 60th overall pick, just wait until the 60th, even if you value them as like a 40th overall pick. So uh, I think the first a part of that too, here, sorry, but just before we go into the actual rankings themselves, like when you, when you have to pay attention in your draft is if the quarterback run starts, there's such a weird position where, it's so unique that it seems like if you're in a casual league, the second that first quarterback gets taken, you're going to see about eight quarterbacks within the next two rounds. Like they, they never seem to actually fall in line with that draft position. I, I feel like anytime I'm drafting family or drafting with friends, it's like, oh, someone took Patrick Mahomes. It, it's opening season. Like everyone's like, all right, my next pick's got to be a quarterback or I'm not getting my guy. So pay attention to that because if you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to be the patient person, I'm going to wait. You know, I'll pick up a, a Joe Burrow, pick 90 or pick 100, you know, wherever he kind of falls to you. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, someone just took him two rounds ago and now you're you're scrapping, uh, you know, and, and punting the position almost. You, you just have to really be kind of aware of what's happening. Because I've even been in leagues where like people, you know, they reach for their first quarterback and they're picking a backup quarterback super early. So, you know, it's great for you because you're, you're with a league that's they're not valuing their picks well but you are going to be stuck potentially having not exactly a great quarterback, which is not ideal in a one QB league, but it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, that's so true. Quarterback runs are always insane. There's always that guy who ends up getting two top guys and then they hold the second one hostage just for some good trade bait and everything. It sometimes works out. It doesn't always work out, but yeah, runs are such a big thing in fantasy football. So I don't know how it is in your leagues, but a lot of my back home leagues, there's always a run on defenses right in that like 10th round and it's so hard to just be like let's wait another defense will come i could just pick one off of the free agent pile later in the season i can stream them but whatever like tampa bay goes off for the 10th round it's always like dang it maybe i do need to draft a defense but you just have to be patient you have to have yeah it's those single position runs so you're kind of your standard league right one quarterback is who you can play one tight end so you're gonna be able to play one defense one kicker people really if especially the people that just don't quite know what they're doing as soon as they see one pick they go oh shoot that must mean i need to be picking one now and they'll you know go and try to snag one so just be aware because that, that's going to happen with tight ends too so you know those first two guys being kelsey and and andrews will you know potentially you know they're going to go in the first two or three rounds but then it's like once maybe a kyle pitts goes off the board or, or dalton schultz there later and again i know we're going to talk about tight ends in another another podcast but once that starts happening be very aware because otherwise you might be stuck hoping you can rely on Hunter Henry or something like that, where it's just like you're, you might as well just call your tight end position a wash and, and just hope to God you get a touchdown every other week out of it. <laughs> Hunter Henry. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's all psychological warfare in a lot of ways. So you got to be able to have some patience. You got to keep your, your finger off the, the clicker right there. So let's go ahead and go into our rankings real quick. Um, so the first guy that we have similarly really highly, which surprises me a little bit is Lamar Jackson. 
So I have him second in my rankings, and so do you. So where does this faith in Lamar Jackson come from for you? Yeah, and the big thing, because we talked earlier about you know the positional relevance of quarterback, the, the great equalizer, or I guess, I don't even know if that's the right way to put it, but that rushing upside is so big because quarterbacks still get scored as if they're a running back as far as running stats go. So when you have someone like Lamar who can get you a hundred yards rushing on any given day that, you know, he gets you RB one stats and then also happens to throw the ball for 250 yards and a couple touchdowns. So having that ability, I think is just, I mean, it's becoming more and more obvious to people, but you know, if your leagues casually, they might not realize it where, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's about fantasy quarterback, not about real life quarterback play. And, and when you're, the core, when your quarterbacks, you know, using the or touching the ball every play, and they're they're running with it, you know, ten times, they're throwing it all over the place. That's it's just huge for for your fantasy team. No, I fully agree, and yeah, people really want to just gloss over those running stats because they're they're not first, right? Whenever you're looking through your stats, whenever you're looking at the ESPN stats for the end of the week, hey, you, you have to turn the page on ESPN. You actually have to tab into a different side to see the rushing aspect of what they did in a game. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's why. Like, if you just like go on fancy on your laptop instead of on your phone, you can be ahead of so many people just because you can see way more stats rather than just seeing the the summary information. But yeah, with Lamar Jackson, the way I see it is you have all these running statistics that it's basically an RB1 level like he's running for a thousand yards per season which I think a lot of people don't pick up on because he doesn't get like the 200 yard rushing games like a Derrick Henry or something like that it's it's 80 yards here it's 60 yards there but they really add up like his and then his throwing his passing statistics they're they're all just the gravy on top right like you have this meat which is his rushing yards and then you have just like this little gravy that's on top which is all the passing touchdowns that he does which a lot of people don't remember but during his mvp season he led the league in passing touchdowns which is incredible for fancy and it the craziest thing with him too is it's like very sustainable right like even in a bad ecosystem where he hasn't really had like a top tier wide receiver during his career Hollywood Brown has like been the closest, but even with him, he's more of like a gadget player in a lot of ways. Lamar Jackson is pretty much scheme and situation proof, in my opinion. He's always going to end up hitting that 100 yards passing, 100 yards rushing right around there. And he's going to be a really, really strong fantasy quarterback. There's a lot of really great off the field and tangible things with him as well. Rashad Bateman seems to be improving really, really quickly as a wide receiver. Um, there's a lot of other guys that are there. Devin Duvernay is really improving quickly. Dylan Wallace as well. Still have Mark Andrews sticking around. The offensive line is always solid in Baltimore. The running backs aren't bad. J.K. Dobbins is working his well, way back out of injury. He's a really great receiving back. Um, there's other guys like Mike Davis that are also there. But there's some other great things that are working for him. It's a contract year. And a contract year is really, really important in the NFL. If you're a guy in the NFL and you want to make money, you have to perform well in your contract year. So I think this is the year that we see Lamar Jackson go scorch earth. He has not accepted a contract yet. And so he's going to want to get the highest deal in the NFL. He's really, really going to want to prove it. So I think this is the year that you snatch Lamar Jackson and you just let him carry your entire team because he did that a couple of years ago. And I think he's going to do it again. And I want to highlight two points here. So you're talking about rushing, saying, okay, 60 yards here, 40 yards here. Um, I, I think the point you have to realize is that's that's one to one and a half passing touchdowns that everyone knows Lamar can easily get 40 rushing yards in a game, 80 yards in a game, and, and just kind of do it 
by by virtue of of scrambling when the play breaks down and not necessarily uh, you know decided runs. So that you know when you look at say you know Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers at the end of the season if they have forty passing touchdowns, yeah, but they have like two or you know they might have ten to twenty rushing yards or something just goofy <laughs> like that. It's like yeah. you now if you add in Lamar at eight hundred rushing yards, right? That I mean that just bumps up what the like actual value is and then kind of that touchdown passing element to it. Yeah. And I think it just kind of breaks what people think, what they expect out of a quarterback. They, they think a quarterback is just the throwy boy. And so whenever you have a guy who's able to do the the rushing and do it efficiently and do it extremely at extremely high volume for you as well within your fantasy realm, it just kind of breaks people's brains and they don't really truly see the value in it. But the way that fantasy is scored it's a huge, huge value. And that's why I think another big reason I have Kyler Murray third overall in, in my personal rankings. You have him at six, which is a little low behind ADP, which is at five. I love Kyler Murray. I think he's Lamar Jackson light in a lot of ways. He actually just got paid, so he doesn't quite have the contract year stuff anymore. But I still think he's in very much so prove it mode for a lot of the reasons that we talked about on the last last pod in terms of like the the weird language within his contract and such. So I think there's a lot of people that are doubters with him, you being one of them. But I think Kyler Murray can be uh, huge. If you are in a super flex league and you could pick up Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, I think they can just carry you to a championship. The situation's really improving with the wide receivers. Obviously, D Hop is suspended, but there's a lot of other good pieces that are around him. Offensive lines locked up. DJ Humphreys just signed a huge contract extension at left tackle. I think the I think the ecosystem is completely set up with Kyler Murray, even if Cliff Kingsbury isn't the best coach. What, what are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think that we're really right now hitting a lot of the points we've already been driving home. So me putting him at six isn't me saying I dislike Kyler. It's just kind of me thinking, okay, who do I like a little bit better? But any of these top 10 guys are going to do so well for your team. It's why you don't have to reach early for Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Because if you miss Lamar, even though we both love him, you can still get Kyler a couple rounds later and get nearly the same amount of production. Now, he has been hurt. We've talked about it already. Injuries happen, right? It's, it's a completely random thing. It, it's not like, oh, yeah, Kyler's going to stay hurt, right? So that that's just kind of an element where I think, you know, you, I look at kind of where I put him and I'm, I'm not disappointed to take Kyler. I, I think it's just an element of I just liked a few people a little bit better. I, I, I'm not out on Kyler. I, I just wouldn't draft him as early as, as you would, obviously. That's fair. Yeah, I just think Kyler's ceiling is so high. He does have a low floor. Like whenever he was not playing well when he was injured last year, it was not a good experience being a Kyler owner at that time. But his ceiling's so high. And like through the first eight or nine weeks last year, he was so electric. I think he's totally worth a gamble at third. I think one more element too, with DeAndre Hopkins out that first six weeks, there's this element where we've seen Kyler without D-Hop just not perform as well. Uh, he just makes everyone's life easier as far as quarterbacks are concerned. So, you know, you, you want to get off to a hot start in fantasy. And if you're missing kind of that, that great target for your quarterback, it, it makes you kind of take a pause. And that's why I, that's why I kind of bumped up some of the more throwing quarterbacks over, over Kyler with, you know, with, with some of the guys we're going to talk about here in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the depth starts pretty good there though, to replace you. We'll get into that, into the wide receiver episode. I can't wait till we do that episode. So uh, the next, the last thing I want to talk about with the top guys in particular, we have two guys flip-flop, basically. I have Mahomes first overall and Josh Allen sixth. You have Josh Allen first and Patrick Mahomes fifth. So mm-hmm. why Josh Allen one and Mahomes fifth? And then I'll get into why I think that. 
Yeah, I, I think Josh has just been on this trajectory where he's really gearing up to have kind of that MVP season. Um, so with that's going to come a ton of touchdowns, both passing and rushing, which he's not going to get yards, but he is their goal line back, it seems, because he just is able to extend the play and, and get in the end zone. Um, dude can bomb the ball down the field. He's got great weapons all over the place, and Buffalo is kind of all aboard on just riding Josh Allen as far as they can. Uh, they they've gotten some new some new running backs, but I it's everything runs through him over there, and it's I think he's just kind of a, an exciting quarterback to watch and just great for your fantasy roster. I also think it's there's an element where his highs are amazing, but his floor is fantastic too. He's he's not going to give you a 15 point just absolute dud because he doesn't rush. Like he's he's going to get you 22 points guaranteed almost every week, and then have some of these massive 300 yard plus games, five touchdown type games. Yeah, I may have just been burned too many times with the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs stack, but I don't love Allen. I don't love him as a player. I don't love him as a person. I don't love him as a fantasy asset. I think that just watching him as an eye test, I feel like Josh Allen gets very lucky with a lot of his, you mentioned the extending the play. I, I see a lot of his like goal line plays where he just trucks a guy or does a lucky spin move where if he would have spun the other way, just blindly he would have been easily tackled i feel like a lot of that lucky stuff that the bills have going on kind of comes back and bites them a little bit more this year i see a lot of regression in terms of the bills coming up um i've never been too overly high on the bills i don't think the talent level is overly high i think Diggs is pretty consistently dinged up and he's getting a little bit older as well i I just don't love josh allen going into this year i I think that he doesn't have that top tier speed of a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson either. So his rushing upside is a little bit more capped too. And then I think the last thing too that I don't love with the Bills and Josh Allen in particular is how long they've gone into the postseason last few years. I, I don't think a lot of people recognize that whenever you go into the postseason and you're playing two, three extra games, that's a physical toll that adds up over a lot of time. Like that's a big thing in the NBA in particular. So if you, if you have like LeBron James, who's going, you know, 20 games since the postseason almost every single year, not the past couple of years, but you know what I mean in general, you're playing a hundred games, you're playing until June or July, whereas everybody else ends in April and they're only playing 82. So I think that adds up over time whenever you're playing, 100 games or in the NFL's case you're playing 20 games instead of the 16 or 17 I think that really adds up after a while and the Bills have been going pretty deep into the postseason and had some disappointing losses so I just don't love the Bills hype this year that much personally hey from from your mouth to God's ear I'd love to see it happen but uh I've just I've I've been watching enough of games I I feel a little bit more confident than you I think yeah uh, what, what are your thoughts on Mahomes? Why do you have him fifth? Which I guess is a little closer to, or no, Mahomes' ADP is second. I have him first. Yeah, have him Mahomes, first. Okay, so Mahomes ended last year as the fourth fantasy quarterback. So I feel like I'm more in line with where he actually ended up and not where people put him. The problem is he's got kind of that, uh, you know, that LeBron poll where ESPN talks about Mahomes in every segment. So it could be a segment about Josh Allen, but it's going to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. Right? It's going to be a segment about the Chiefs. It doesn't matter what the Chiefs did. All we're going to talk about is Patrick Mahomes. So everyone just assumes that that means Patrick Mahomes is the greatest thing that's happening in the NFL, even though on the fantasy side, like right, he's a fantastic football player. The Chiefs are great. But on the fantasy side, he's not producing at the level. as like It's not a one-to-one of the level of exposure he gets to his fantasy production. His exposure is 10 times greater than anyone else in the league. So you have to kind of look past that and just understand where – he's more likely to end up. And then now we think, okay, so he's the, the fourth overall fantasy quarterback last year. 
Okay, did his team get better or do they get worse this offseason? I'd argue worse. He doesn't have Tyreek to throw the ball to anymore. Travis Kelsey's older. We, he has a lot of unproven threats or, I guess, weapons and his receivers. I think there's just a lot of unknowns for the first time in Mahomes' career uh, to where I don't want to be taking him as the second quarterback. I, I'd, I'd rather wait and get – I mean, I might even bump Kyler over Patrick just because, again, I, I know you'll get that, that upside with Kyler – uh, you know, Mahomes, he does scramble, but he doesn't quite have the same rushing upside as, as some of the other guys do. Yeah. I might have a little bias here, like normally sitting in Chiefs. Just kingdom. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think Mahomes is a generational talent. I think that he can really surpass what's around him. And as much as his weapons are a little rough, I think that Mahomes has that like Brady-esque ability to turn anybody into a top-tier target for him. Um, I think Juju still has enough left in the tank. I like Sky more as a rookie, even though he has a big question mark still. Any rookie wide receiver is going to be. Um, MVS is such a hit or miss type of player. He's either going to drop the the 70-yard bomb or he's going to catch it, and you really, truly never know which one it's going to be. And he still has Kelsey, which is really, really nice. And um, he has some nice running backs coming in. There's been some good buzz coming out of their backfield. They had this new rookie, uh, I can't remember what his name is, but he's been apparently the fastest running back in camp right now. So I love Mahomes. I think he's definitely more durable than some of these guys that are after him. And I do I do understand what you're saying. That last year where he had that weird swoon for like five or six games, but he really turned it on towards the end of the season and got the Chiefs into the playoffs. So I, I'm a believer still. And until Mahomes truly falls off, uh, I'm going to stay as a believer person. I, I don't think he's fallen off, and I agree, generational talent. I'm just thinking as far as the fancy season goes, again, a top five performance is not bad. It's just where you have to draft him is just too high for me. I get it. I get it. You're just not going to convince me. I'll take Mahomes first. I, I got you. I got you on that. <laughs> Great. I'm never going to get to draft him because all my Chiefs friends just snatch him at eighth overall, and then it's just like, okay. <laughs> exactly. It's better for me, though, you know, so I get a better player, get a value. Uh, let's go into these more mid-tier guys. We had a lot of movement there in terms of ADP versus our rankings. So I have Jameis pretty high. I have Matthew Stafford a little bit lower. Um, you have Derek Carr way higher than me, as well as Kirk Cousins. I have Kirk Cousins taking a free fall. So um, how about you walk me through some of your rankings and the rationale in that like 11 yeah. to 20 range? Because that's more of the sweet spot. That's more of like where you're we would draft a quarterback. Yeah, this this is going to be the the you wait for the the quarterback run to start, but you're not waiting until your last pick to grab a quarterback. So these are going to be the guys that you're like, okay, I'm picking through quality quarterbacks that don't have the the flashy name, but you're going to get a good you know consistent floor with them. So the you're talking about Derek Carr. I, I'm super high on Carr this year. The guy threw for five thousand yards last year, and then he got Devontae Adams in the offseason, and he got an upgrade at offensive coordinator with Josh McDaniels. I, I think there's a lot of great things going for him, but people still just see same old eyeliner boy Derek Carr. They're not picking him earlier, so he's just a really great value pick this year. And I, I just I'm excited for him. I mean, he's just got a ton of weapons. It, it feels like he's one of the the last guys that really just fell in love with this franchise and he just kind of stuck it out through some real crap years with the the Raiders where he could have been demanding trades or just, you know, not resigning and trying to go anywhere else. So, you know, you love to see good things happen for him. Although I know not everyone loves the Raiders as a franchise. I still really like Derek Carr as, as a person, as a quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. I saw, I heard someone describe 
uh, Derek Carr as Kirk Cousins, but he shops at Hop Topic, and I just haven't been able to get that out of my head. <laughs> and so there's just a there's a piece of me that really is anchored to a couple of his more poor seasons where he's just like barely startable, more of like a 20th overall quarterback. And that's kind of where I'm sitting. Even with the Adams addition, I just think there's so much dysfunction in the in the Raiders organization. I don't know if you've seen like their last like four or five draft picks that have been like their first round draft picks aren't even with the team anymore or they've been like suspended or they've gotten into legal trouble. Like the Raiders cannot draft. Like I don't know if you watched the Hall of Fame game the other night, but like Alex Leatherwood, their their supposed future right tackle who they drafted the first round completely taking him way higher than everybody else had him in the first round. He looked like a turnstile, like the dude couldn't block your mother kind of thing. So I I just don't believe in the Raiders as an organization. Yes, Adams is very, very talented. Darren Waller seems to be slowing down ever so slightly. I I just don't believe in the organization around him. And therefore, I just had to drop Derek Carr. I have him 20th in my rankings personally. Um, I was shocked with your ranking of Jameis Winston. So we talked about him last episode and you had seemed to have some high hopes for him. I have him at 13th, but you're a little lower. You have him at 18th. What, what's the thought? I, I, yeah, I have high hopes for him. I think he, he absolutely could. Again, last week was, was all the, the hot take element of Jameis Winston. Now here's the down to earth of, of what you're getting. And it's, we don't know, right? That's what it's, it's just so risky, right? Chris Olave could be an absolute stud. Slaney boy could be awesome this year. They could be down in every game. So they're throwing all the time. Those are things that could happen, but famous James could also throw for 30 interceptions and just happen to, you know, be the continued turnover machine that he is and end up just the, the saints organization saying, you know what, we're rebuilding. We're getting, we're getting away from Jameis. We're just going to go ahead and move on here. There, there's just so much unknown that I'm not taking him really high. I'm not opposed to grabbing him as kind of that flyer pick. I'm just not moving him up my draft board and, and grabbing him before some of the other guys. Understandably. Yeah, James Winston with LASIK surgery. That could be all the difference. And apparently he's like really good in camp this year so far. And he looked really good before the injury last year in those like first eight weeks. Um, so we'll see if he's able to come back from that. Yeah, he doesn't have Sean Payton though. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's good. There's, there's, there's a lot of just we don't know with the Saints. And, and we don't draft highly things we don't know. Truly. Understandably. I, I just love the upside there. I'm going to take that home run swing. And realistically, if I'm taking like a Winston, I'm also probably going to turn around and take like a Justin Fields or something. Someone that can give me a little bit of insurance in case one of those two guys goes bust. Hopefully I don't swing 0 for 2, but hopefully one of the two end up working out. Yeah. No, but let's, before we go to the next guy, though, that is a draft strategy I love. When you're like, okay, I missed the QB1 that I wanted. Now I'm just going to go ahead and wait, and I'm going to take two, maybe even three shots on just the high variance people. See what happens week one or two. Figure out okay, who am I dumping then? Because you can kind of get that feel for it. The these lottery ticket picks I had are panning out, and and what that can do is that can get you the Lamar Jackson MVP season with a you know 120th overall type pick, right? Someone that people just don't know yet, that people are you know unsure of, and you can get them really late and get a ton of points out of it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I we have a sleeper agent segment coming up for those kind of guys that will definitely exactly until those younger guys that we're getting drafted in like the tenth to fifteenth round that we think can just rocket you all the way up into first place just based off them. 
Um, I'm curious. So who is that guy in this more mid round that you think is worth a dart throw? I'm thinking kind of like a Sam Darnold last year where he really carried people for like seven or eight weeks last year. And then he obviously ended up falling off as did the Panthers entire season. Who do you think could be like someone that could like really carry you for at least a handful of weeks early on just because he's in a good situation and can really turn on the jets for you? Yeah, and you're going to talk about him later a bit more. I think two is in a good situation with uh, you know new weapons, a, a one year wiser Jalen Waddle, and then having um, you know Mike McDaniel, a new coach out there. I think that's going to help out a lot. Um, I, I think there, you know, Trevor Lawrence is intriguing to me because like, we kind of talked about it before, but you know, just getting Urban out of there, trying to give the guy some some functionality around him. I mean, the dude's been winning everywhere he goes. I, and obviously that just doesn't quite happen in the NFL, but I think, you know, he's just someone that's prone to winning. I think he's going to, you know, move on from what happened last year and be able to chalk it up to, yeah, that nothing was going to go right no matter what happened. So he's kind of a, that exciting mid-round pick. And then, you know, I think Stafford's just someone that people forget about, you know, far too often. And his offense is, is still going to be good this year. I know that we, there's been some news about some sh- like a baseball-related shoulder injury, which I don't really know how that – uh, really works out, but yeah, you still have Sean McVay coaching you. You still have, you know, your Cooper Cup out there. A lot of sign, um, you know, clips coming out of Allen Robinson looking really good for him. So, you know, I can I can see Stafford being an awesome kind of value pick that actually ends up giving you the kind of that top like seven quarterback production. Yeah, the Stafford news has been so perplexing to me because like as a Lions fan, I got to watch Stafford for so long. A lot of people don't remember, but like his first couple of years, he was injured like all the time like torn acl yeah, the guy won a game with a broken back yeah like if you watch that browns game where yeah he literally carried the entire team on his broken back he was absolutely insane and so he's had a lot of injuries over the years he missed like eight games a couple of years ago whenever he's with the lions still um so this injury is like not that surprising but also because like we didn't overly know about it too much. And like, it seems like they are very generally concerned. He's not going to be playing any preseason games from what we've gathered. Like he's pretty much gearing up for only week one. That makes me like worried about his fantasy availability. Like, are they going to play Wofford the backup just in those like more weaker games where they don't really need to win or it's like against a bad opponent and they have enough infrastructure around Wofford in order for him to win. Like, I don't know if we're going to see the value, the, the volume, excuse me, in Stafford this year. And it kind of makes me want to take him a little bit later and bet on another couple guys that you mentioned. I love Tua this year. I love T-Law this year. I think those are both guys that I would take almost over Stafford this year. Are you legally allowed to vicariously or to not vicariously live through Stafford though? I thought you were required to keep hyping him and just, you know, he's, he's your boy. So it's got to keep going. Oh, it's true. Every ATT commercial that he's in. I love it. I was rooting so hard for him in the Super Bowl this past year. I, I'm so happy for my boy, but yeah, I just, as a fantasy asset, like it's not someone I can co-sign honestly this year. Yeah, I, I think there's maybe one more guy I would like to, to maybe talk about here before we move on to, as you alluded to maybe the sleeper agent uh, segment here, but you have Ryan Tannehill pretty low. And I know last year wasn't great for him, but he's kind of been, at least as far as the analysts go, you know, a very solid quarterback. He's, he's put out some pretty good fantasy production. He's not a wow factor quarterback, but he, he gets you some touchdowns. He, he can toss the ball around a little bit, but I mean, you're, you're very down on him. Like, I mean, you're borderline about to grab Deshaun over Ryan Tannehill. So maybe go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So Ryan Tannehill turned 
I have a personal vendetta against Ryan Tannehill. I'll go into it real quick. So Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college at Texas A&M. Whenever he was there, he started playing wide receiver in his sophomore season. And then five games into the season, he transitioned over to quarterback. His very first game was against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who were nationally ranked, my favorite team. And they won their game against Nebraska 9-6. to six. It was the most miserable game I've ever watched on TV. Both defenses were so good. That was back when um, Von Miller was still at Texas A&M. And so, like, their defense was just, like, absolutely dominant. Nnamdi Sue had just graduated, and Levante David was still at Nebraska. Completely loaded defenses on both sides. But we were supposed to win that game. We lost 9-6 to six from this wide receiver to converted to quarterback guy and so whenever he was going into the league and he was getting touted as this top 10 pick i was like there's no way like this guy's barely played any quarterback his stats aren't that great he goes to miami he really proves it for me not doing too great he goes over to tennessee and he has like a borderline mvp type season with derrick henry which is crazy a lot of people are like oh ryan Tannehill, he's just a guy who just hands it off to derrick henry that's all you have to do it's he has the easiest job on earth but honestly if you look dig into his advanced statistics if you dig into the fantasy season even that he had Tannehill was very, very impressive this year, that year. Now he's seemingly just fallen off the cliff and reverted back to normal. So I almost feel like that one year was just an outlier. Um, I feel like he's really back to who he was, which is a borderline starter quarterback. They don't seem to have a lot of faith in him. They just drafted Malik Willis out of Liberty in the third round. Tennessee Titans did. So I am not a big believer in Tannehill. His weapons are worse this year. It's seeming like Austin Hooper at tight end who's a journeyman tight end at this point, is going to be one of his top weapons. No more A.J. Brown. Um, Derrick Henry is going to get a, a majority of the workload. I, I, and like I'm just not a big believer in the Tennessee Titans just in general. Um, I think Tannehill has a very long year, and I really hope he ends up losing every game 9-6 to six this year. Okay. Love, love to hear that, that take. I, I think just from you going in right there on, on Mr. Tannehill, I, you've been – highlighting the fact that I am not a Jalen Hurts fan. So I, I feel like since you got to, you know, go on a rant, I might as well just hop right back in here. Let's hear it. For it. <laughs> Again, I have nothing against Jalen Hurts, the the person or the quarterback. Um, he's a great fantasy, fantasy quarterback. Um, the thing that I can't stand is you have people that play Madden and watch or like look at their, their final stat line for fantasy and just assume that this is like this unbelievable quarterback. And it's like, if you watch even 10 minutes of film on the guy, he's missing every throw by like five yards. Like the throws that they connect are like these great plays by receivers. I mean, he's just so inaccurate at the most important position to be accurate. It's like infuriating to watch. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those guys. That, I mean, I even have him in, in my top 10 of him at seven, as far as quarterback rankings. Yeah. He's probably going to have a great year, but it's just like painful. Like it, it hurts me as someone that likes that true quarterback position to be like, cool, I'm drafting this guy because I need him to run for three rushing touchdowns and 100 yards every game for him to actually return the value that I want. So it's it's just one of those positions. Like it's just like I watching him play quarterback hurts because people – not for the pun on hurts there, but it's painful to watch him because people go, yeah, he had a great fantasy game. This guy's an awesome quarterback. And it's like – the dude gets lucky and happens to run the ball and they win the game. He's not a good quarterback in maybe, my opinion, but maybe we just need like a fantasy overhaul on how we score fantasy points. Like maybe we need to change up how much rushing touchdowns are worth and such. And I feel like we should be in charge of that. Like there's an opening at ESPN for their head 
fancy football analyst, Matthew Barry, just went over to NBC Sports. They just announced. So I feel like you and I could fill that role really easily and change. I think so. I, I mean, honestly, I'd be willing to take half a salary if you take the other half. I think it'd put me in a pretty good spot. We could, we could do it easily. If we put an equal amount. ESPN, give us a call. Our, our numbers will be in the bio. <laughs> don't you worry. Okay, let's go into the sleeper agent segment because I'm really curious to see what you have there and why you have the people you have there. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the point of the segment was to come up with arguments for the three to five of the best late round draft picks. So we're thinking of Lamar Jackson a handful of years ago. A lot of people think Trey Lance, and myself included, is going to be one of those kind of guys, although it seems like Trey Lance is going way too high to be considered a sleeper agent now. So who do you think is like that late round guy, doesn't necessarily even need to be a young guy, who can end up elevating himself into one of those Mm -hmm. higher positions? Yeah, I need to add the caveat here that I looked through your picks and they were the ones that I wanted to take because <laughs> we put we have our notes in the same sheet. So I went ahead and changed it for myself as far as like who's my sleeper agent for maybe a super flex league because I don't believe in these guys necessarily as drafting for one QB leagues. But my first pick here would be Justin Fields. Um, he's very talented you know watching him play in college you can see the guy throws an accurate ball i mean he can absolutely bomb it down the field he led the buckeyes to a, a what a, a runner-up season on a broken rib like i mean he's he's a tough he can he can really whip it around the field he's finally under the clutches of matt Nagy, so i think he's there's a ton of room to grow into a more complete quarterback you know, he has some rushing upside. You know, I've seen him scramble out there and look pretty good. He's able to toss the ball around. Uh, he's unfortunately a Bears quarterback, and I believe they're just cursed as a, a species. So, you know, his cap is 4,000 yards. They're not allowed to throw any further than that a season. That's just kind of a rule of being a Bears quarterback. <laughs> but I think, you know, if anyone's going to break it, it's going to be Justin Fields. And I don't know about this season, but, you know, in a 2QB league, I, I'm fine taking him maybe a little bit later as as kind of just a – a high upside play. Yeah. And he definitely has like that rushing floor as well that we've been mentioning with Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray as well. Like he's going to rush for some yards as well for you. So that's definitely something that's attractive yeah. with him. Um, and yeah, it's funny. I was looking through like the Bears quarterback history relatively recently. And it's funny that like Jay Cutler is the Bears quarterback goat seemingly. It's pretty depressing. Like I thought the Lions had a pretty bad history, but you, you look up the Bears history, it's really rough at quarterback. Bears have the most Hall of Famers, but none of, I don't know if none of them, but it's not the quarterback position. They, that is not a spot for that team. Yeah, they do not shine. I lo- Give us some one QB sleepers here, Matt. I, you got some good ones on there. I'd, I'd like to hear your arguments for him. My first one was Tua. We already talked about Tua. I think he has all the talent in the world. He's coming back from the injury, and I think he's finally healthy this year. He had a good long offseason in order to fix things up. Good infrastructure around him. I think he's definitely one of those guys to look out for. Um, The one I wanted to talk about was Davis Mills. So I'm in Houston, Texas now. I'm definitely around the Texas Texans fandom. People are super excited about Davis Mills. So a lot of people don't know much about him. He was a third round pick coming out of college. He was definitely around a lot of guys that seemingly seemed super similar. So like Kellen Mond went over to the Vikings to be the Cousins backup. There's a lot of guys that were just drafted at a similar time that we all thought had very similar skill sets. But he seems to be the guy who has risen above the above them all. He got a super long neck. 
like a super girthy, strong neck. And it's like uncomfortably so. You guys should look it up back at home. Um, but he's also like slinging it super well this preseason. So a lot of the people have been talking about in training camp. He's been looking amazing. They just lost their number two wide receiver, Mechie, their second round pick. Um, he unfortunately got cancer. Hope he's doing all right. Um, but they're they're really banking on Nico Collins to, being, to be their wide receiver too. Really banking on Brandon Cooks to be a top tier wide receiver, which he's kind of held up his end of the bargain in a lot of ways. But people are really excited about Davis Mills. I, we'll see if it ends up being true. But like sometimes there's just like there's smoke when there's fire, you know. So you got to follow that a little bit and read the tea leaves a bit. So Davis Mills, I, I love that take though, man. I, I because for, I mean, for one thing, death taxes and Brandon Cooks going for a thousand yards are the only things guaranteed in life. So I, you know, I like that aspect. And then just when you look at the roster they had last year and just everything they went through, none of that screams successful first rookie or like rookie season for a quarterback right but he performed i mean just really well you know obviously they didn't win a ton of games but that team wasn't trying to win games i mean they were just trying to get deshaun out of their organization they were trying to get the new regime in get some draft picks like nothing about last year should have like he should have been the 34th ranked quarterback even starting yeah. every single game like there's should have, there's no reason he should have had good stats so i think there's a lot of reason to be very high on him this year. Yeah, that's a great point. They literally were throwing out like a JV high school team out there and he was still performing relatively well. So I, I don't love him as like an individual player, but like for fantasy, that's some cheap value that you can get really late. So um, I saw that I saw your other pick, <laughs> the, the mom lover himself, Zach Wilson. Yeah. So let's hear it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So anyone that's able to get some trim from their friend's mom or, you know, from their one of their mom's friends, I think that kinda, that's got to put you up the board a little bit. But I think also <laughs> just there's a lot of talent on that team. I, I, I think he's going to be able to. I mean, hopefully progress, obviously, as a second-year quarterback. That's, you know, it's a big jump usually going to year two just because everything slows down a little bit. Um, it, you know, it might be a bit, you know, either a year early for him, but it could also just be the, the right year for him. You know, he's got more wide receiver talent. He's got more running back talent. They're improving the offensive line. They're, I mean, the, the Jets franchise, which is typically not great at developing quarterbacks, it, it looks like they're trying to do everything they can to develop a quarterback and to build a competent offense. So I think there's a lot of a lot of reasons to at, at least take the lottery type, you know, the lottery ticket type pick on him. I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you're going, oh my gosh, you know, pounding the table, you got to take this guy in, in every league. But when when you're in those, you know, super flex leagues, if you're trying to to fill out your roster where you're, you know, you're getting a, a good tight end early or, you know, a good second running back early, that means you're missing out on that top 10 to 15 quarterbacks. So you're going to have to take some risk on some of these guys that may not pan out. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that could clearly not pan out. He had a pretty rough, uh, court, you know, rookie season. But the the organization is doing everything they can to try to build around him. So I think there's enough reason to be excited for a potential breakout, meaning 4,000-yard type season. But that where you can draft him is, you know, is huge. So it's it's worth at least trying to go for in a super flex league. Yeah, honestly, if you like try to look at like the Jets quarterback history and look at like the Bears quarterback history, it's incredibly bleak. Like if they had a competition, it'd just be like they both are trying to lose at that point. I was shocked with how low uh, Zach Wilson's ADP is. It's it's 24th right now. And I thought I was pretty low on Zach Wilson. I didn't love him out of college. He has a pretty low trajectory on his ball, especially his deep ball. He definitely has arm strength, but it's definitely just like a flat 
ball that it looks pretty easy, in my opinion, for a, uh, a safety or a cornerback to get under. Um, I was shocked with how low consensus had him at. I thought I was really low on him, but it seems like consensus is really low on him. So there's definitely some value there. So I get what you're saying with him being your yeah, sleeper. But before the next player, I just I have one question for you on Zach here. And I'm wondering if the Eagles and Jets were to play and Zach Wilson and Gardner Minshew were in the same building, would any mom within a hundred mile radius be safe or would that have to be a game that's canceled by the United States government? Dude, if we threw young gravy in there, it's just game over. Hide your moms, hide your wife. There's nothing okay. you can right. do. Right. Make sure we're on the same page. That's just not a, if the NFL has that schedule, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. The NFL must cancel that game. If, if that's on the schedule, it's your girlfriend. Goodbye. Like it's game over my guy. Game over. So my last one that I want to talk about, I, I have Jared Goff on my list, but like, honestly, he's kind of over the hill as well. I, we'll see if he's a, even with the Lions after this season. I love Marcus Mariota for this year. I, I love that he's a starter again. I love that he's getting another opportunity. He's going to have Kyle Pitts in Atlanta to be able to help him out. I think Marcus Mariota also, also has that rushing floor that we've been talking about all episode, which is pretty exciting. And he also seems to be able to support a pretty good fantasy environment as well so like whenever his last year in tennessee whenever he was a starter he had delaney walker and he had richard matthews both of them went for over 900 yards receiving in that season which is pretty crazy so like for a, a fantasy quarterback he doesn't seem that terrible um i i think he could provide some good value for you so if you're like getting to the end of your draft and you're looking at marcus Mariota, if you're looking at ryan Tannehill, daniel jones jimmy g zach wilson mitch trubisky like I would rather have Marcus Mariota have all those guys, so he's a little bit higher up in my rankings compared to consensus. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't know. He makes me nervous, but he's got some good weapons. They're going to be down, so he'll he'll get a chance to prove himself. Yeah, honestly, that's probably a part that we haven't talked about a ton during this episode. Is if you have a quarterback who's going to be in some level of like garbage time where you're not up and you're still trying to compete in order to try and win the game, you're going to throw the ball some more. And so it kind of helps almost sometimes to be on a really bad team that you know you're never going to be up and you're just going to be handing it off to your bell cow running back every time. It can kind of help to end up being a guy who's on a bad team just to be able to get more passes out there, get that more volume. So it can be helpful. Hey, I mean, you have to remember too, even though you turn off the game, those stats still count. So if you're down by 21, even if you're not watching it, you know, on, on your channel, it doesn't mean that Marcus Mariota's points aren't, aren't racking up. So so it's true just, just be be wary of that don't be a casual watch till the end of the game that's my take there <laughs> there you go <laughs> okay so now we are going into our final takes the sun is getting low it's time to hear how we can defend our takes here so i have a take that i'm going to give to you that you then have to defend we we've seen these we've glanced at them we haven't prepared anything but we have to defend the take. I, I want us to do it in like a minute or so, so we can conclude this episode. So my take to you that I want to hear you defend is the NFL is more entertaining than college football. A lot of people love college football, but I want to hear why you think the NFL is more entertaining. Cause you're a bigger fan of the NFL than college football. So why That's is the NFL more entertaining than college football? Yeah. First of all, I got lucky that you, you gave me a softball here. I was so much meaner to you, but to me, when I want to watch football, I want to watch just the best of the best, right? I want to see the absolute best athletes going out there and doing just insane things that I can't even dream of ever doing in my life. So when, when I'm watching the NFL, I'm, that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting the absolute top tier best product football. To me, college football is just 
not that at any like the college playoffs I'll watch because those are finally some teams where half of them are getting drafted. But you have so many games where it's like seventy-eight to nothing because Alabama's dog walking some team you've never heard of that it's just like not even remotely enjoyable. When you have a line that is minus thirty-five, it's like why am I even watching this? You have to be an absolute gambling addict to actually care about college football because none of the games are even ever going to be close. It's a product that I don't love, and it's probably due to the fact that I'm a fighting Illini fan and we haven't been good pretty much my entire life. I and mean, we have the occasional, you know, BCS bowl type thing, which doesn't even exist anymore. So we have roughly no chance of ever playing a relevant game of football, but I'll still cheer them on. It's just, man, those, those high scoring games aren't exciting. Right. I don't want to see a 78 to 72 game or even a 78 to zero game. I want to have some competent level of defense out there. I want to see, you know, just good football product. And I, I just don't get that with college and you get it for the most part with with the nfl yeah i fully agree i used to be a huge college football fan but i really can't do it anymore the parody in the nfl is unmatched it's so much fun that like the average game roughly is like a three-point difference so there's always something exciting some level of comeback that's going on and then like i think the weirdest thing for me is like as a kid it's completely like okay like you're watching these guys these older men and you're like cheering them on or yelling at you know the opposing team and such but it's so weird as like a 23 year old now to be yelling at an 18 year old to be doing better when like they're just like trying to like go to class and like potentially put food on the table for their family one day like why my rudy it gets a little jimmy here like it's very strange to me to be yelling at a teenager and i just can't do it anymore so nfl all the way in my opinion as well and you have fantasy boards yeah. so that's always a good time too yeah exactly now, if they, if they brought fantasy back, cause there used to be daily fantasy for college, and that was a lot of fun because it was just, I mean, ridiculous scores. But they, they just, you know, the NCAA is no fun, so they, they don't have that anymore. I remember when, like, um, but, so, I remember when, like, the Washington State quarterback was like always the best player for fantasy college basketball, uh, college football. It was always so weird. It's so all so high scoring, and all the guys that you think like the Heisman winners and stuff that you would expect to be like the first overall pick that never happens because they just don't get the statistics like the Hawaii quarterback or the East Carolina running back or something like that. It's super insane. I don't recommend yeah. it. It's, any any amount of college football is just for for degenerates. That's that's my take on it. Um, so I'm a little bit rougher on you with with a take that you definitely don't believe in the way I do. So you set me up with one that I would have I could have wrote for myself. But for me, is Kirk Cousins is getting a ton of hype this year. People are pretty excited. On you know the the news came out that Mike Zimmer openly hated the guy. You know around the like he wouldn't even talk to him in the in the facility. I mean just wild stuff. Uh, the team's looking like they're going to have just a better season. So. Why is Kirk Cousins going to be the MVP this year? This is tough because I don't personally believe this. Uh, I feel like I need a stretch before I end up trying to defend this take. I hate Kirk Cousins. He's a terrible human being. He doesn't believe COVID's real. He wouldn't get vaccinated before the season. He was always putting his other teammates at risk. That's just like the definition of not a leader. I feel like if Kirk Cousins had a birthday party, no one on his team would actually go to it. However, if I have to defend why Kirk Cousins will be good, and I could see myself drafting Kirk Cousins because he always falls down draft boards because he's so goddamn boring. I think Kirk Cousins could be MVP because of the infrastructure that he's put in. I think that he has an amazing offensive coordinator. He has an offensive coordinator that turned Matthew Stafford into an NFL champion. There wasn't too long ago where Matthew Stafford was a 5,000-yard passer where he was just a good fantasy asset but he ended up turning him into a legitimately good, efficient player. 
that the guy who they got as their offensive coordinator used to be an offensive coordinator for the Rams. I didn't make that clear. Second, wide receivers are insane for the Minnesota Vikings. So you have Justin Jefferson, who I think could end up having a Cooper Cup level year this year, as Cooper Cup was almost MVP last year. I think that uh, Justin Jefferson could do exactly that this year. Adam Thielen is a touchdown machine. He is amazing on the goal line. And yes, he's getting older. People will always fade him. He's a small school guy. I think that he could end up raising Kirk Cousins even higher. I think the the third piece of this is you have KJ Osborne, who was performing as a wide receiver one earlier in the season. And then you also have a great tight end at Irv Smith Jr., I don't know if you know too much about the offensive coordinator for the the Vikings this upcoming year, but he's always had top-tier tight ends, whether it's Tyler Higby. He's always churning out 500 to 800-yard receiving tight ends. So I'm a big believer in Irv Smith upcoming this year. The offensive line's going to be fine, I think. It's definitely going to be patchwork, but we'll see what happens. Basically, Kirk Cousins just needs to put up statistics, and I think this is the year that he can finally do it. They're going to be slinging it. Dalvin Cook could be suspended, so that won't be siphoning into his statistics either. They have Madison, who can serve as a nice backup as well, catching uh, passes out of the backfield. I think Kirk Cousins could do it. The, 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 the Swiss cheese defense that they have is going to give the offense a lot of opportunities as well. So we'll see what happens the the division's really weak too the packers aren't looking that hot the lions are always bad and the bears are going to be very very bad this year their wide receivers are awful i think this could be the year that kirk cousins puts it all together so james i have one last question for you you like that you like that i did i love it (laughs) love to hear it man hey you have a good week thanks for listening everybody